Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Couple people in the room, Candace included, uh, like to make up words. When there isn't an English language word to, that suits, we just make one up. Amen. Sometimes the Holy Spirit helps. So this is a made-up word, and most of you who've been around me a long time know that I like to, if I can, title messages not with nouns but with verbs. And this is intended to be a verb, an action word. Joy fill. So let us pray, heavenly. Invade. We seek your presence, God. We come boldly. We come thirsty. You are all we seek. Your kingdom, your righteousness, your peace, your joy, your Holy Spirit. Come now. Come strong. Linger long. Amen. So this morning, God offers us two big opportunities. Number one, a preview of 2023. And secondly, at least one hugely important way to get ready for 2023 and beyond. (laughs) Look, I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to, that 2020 and 2021 and 2022 have been years full of unpredictability, to say the least, right? God helped us be ready and better positioned us to respond every year. Every year in the fall, he would give us an indication of what was coming and how to prepare for it. He's been so faithful. 2023 will bring change and disorder no less than the last three years. Change and disorder always have two faces. Number one, the face of the experience. Good, bad, pleasant, unpleasant, scary, fun, the face of change always carries the face. The face of change always carries experience. What, what happened to us? What did we go through? Right? How did it affect us? But it also carries a second face. Change, transitions, always come with opportunity. Every single one. Think of the transitions you have had in your life. Pleasant, unpleasant. And you look back on them and you go, yeah, but... How many of you have ever experienced something where you go, I don't ever want to go through that again, and I'm thankful that it happened, because it led to? That's what I'm talking about. The same is true for pleasant experiences. The experience was pleasant enough, but its long-lasting effects were even better. True? So, experience, opportunity. So I'm going to talk more about specifics another time. For now, we sense that 2023 will differ in several ways. Two of those you can sum up this way. Number one, huh? Number two, wow. In other words, I sure didn't see that coming. Many of us will experience a feeling, a sense, a certainty of becoming unmoored 
of becoming untethered, of, of feeling like, whoa, that was so out of the blue and so unexpected, and it was so, what? Them? What? Th that? That will, it, it, it could actually engender a sense of being adrift in the waves. So it's going to be very important in 2022 to place our anchor, as the song says, behind the veil, meaning in Christ. Now, you notice that the Advent banners are on the platform. Some of you don't know what Ad Advent is. We'll get into that. It's a season of expectant waiting. It's a season of, pre of preparation. It's the weeks leading up to the birth of Christ and all that means. So we'll be, we'll be talking about that as the weeks go on. I put them up here a week early on purpose because for 2023 it's especially important that we all enter into a season of preparation. So I put them up as a, as a prophetic notice to put your soul and your spirit on notice to awaken to the opportunity side of 2023. Yes, we're going to all, each one of us in each our own way are going to have experiences in the coming year. The thing is, do we catch the transitions? The thing is, do we not just survive and get through it, but do we find the seam and for, for God, from God, and exploit it? There's always opportunity in transition to the extent that we were ever successful in business. In the past, it was largely because we embraced, we caught transition when others were struggling with them. Advent is the perfect season to invest in preparing and getting into position. There's worldwide, there's in the atmosphere, in the spirit, a season of expectant waiting and preparation. So catch it. Catch it. So this morning we focus on one of the most important keys. Maybe for this year, possibly is the most important key. We do so in part because we will all... We've been through so much in the last three years, haven't we? So what can happen when you've been through a lot? Well, maybe some fatigue has set in. Maybe some dullness has set in. Maybe it's just natural for those things to happen. We just sort of, you know, in some ways we celebrate, in some ways we might be a little punch drunk. We just take the blows and navigate through them and so forth. And so we could get a little dull. And maybe I think part of this is that God wants to refresh us. But even more so, it's because God loves us, each and all, so much. He is telling us what we'll talk about today could be the one aspect, the one strategy, the one tactic that will carry us through 2023, which is wonderfully generous of him on its own. However, he is always the God of way more. The God of opportunity. I believe he would love to position you and me to see things in new ways and to actually end up stronger, better, more fulfilled, 
and more victorious for him and to highlight him to bring his glory into situations and conditions and thereby bringing him glory. What if that could happen in 2023? So there's nothing new about all this. Absolutely nothing. Today we will hear from the prophet Nehemiah. We'll hear from King David. We'll hear from the apostles James and Paul and John. We'll hear a lot from Jesus himself. Now, if you know much about the history of the Bible, the seasons in which these books were written, every one of these men faced conditions and circumstances and crazy, far more crazy and far more intense and even more beyond their control than we do or will. So they're relevant. It's relevant for today. Okay, here we go. Debbie, may I please see slide two? I made up a little rhyme. What a mixed bag 2023 will be. It will make history. Will we? Here's the key. This is a fill-in-the-blank exercise. The, the what of the Lord is our strength. Oh. In your presence there is fullness of? Count it all, our brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. But the spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, Peace, patience, kindness, who can finish the other? But, yeah, what's the second ingredient, though? Bible always lists things in order. Yeah. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the... that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. With sufficient awareness of God's love and his peace, taking him up on his offer to freely receive an adequate portion of him, Fullness of joy is possible. Not happiness. That's different. Happiness is an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a sensation. Happiness is an outcome. Happiness is a trailing indicator. He made me happy. She made me unhappy. That made me happy. It's a trailing indicator. Right? That's happiness. Joy is a state of being. Joy is that which is formative. Things spring from it. Joy is a fountain. Joy is a cause. Joy is a source. Joy is a reason. It's an experience. It's, 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 it's how... Maybe you don't need more words. Did, it, did you catch it? Did you catch it? Yeah. Good, Haley. <laughs> I, 
I don't, I, I, we talk a lot about what Jesus went through and what he knew he was going to go through. But what was set before him? Joy. That's right. That's what sustained him. The joy of the Lord was his. Now, think of your heart for a second. Think about that last bullet on the slide there. Think of your heart, your spirit, your essence, the inner you. Think of it as a garden. If happiness is flowers or luscious vegetables, joy is the soil. Peace is the water. And love is the sun. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Every garden needs a gardener. Jesus the Christ is the perfect gardener. He tends your garden with love, acceptance, forgiveness, and high expectation for fruitfulness. He expects you to grow good stuff, beautiful stuff, and shed it for his glory to others. We're supposed to be gardens that carry a fragrance, that carry fruit, fruit that remains. Boy, you're quiet. You okay? All right. So Jesus, he's the only gardener who at all times gardens, tends with love, with tenderness, with mastery, with power, as only he can. Know what else? He has gone through everything we have. Says so in the book of Hebrews, and it's true if you look at his life. He fully understands your and my every experience, every emotion, every thing. So, here's the thing. Often unawares and seldom taught and un- very often underrealized is that when the gardener is present, he brings more than his skills. He brings more than his power. His Mere presence carries more than might and carries aspects beyond his love, beyond his acceptance, and beyond his forgiveness. Now, my wife is a certified essential oils coach. She makes custom blends out of high-quality pure oils. And when she makes a blend, she mixes whatever particular pure and high-quality essential oils with a carrier oil, right? Whenever and wherever the pure essential Jesus shows up and is revealed by Holy Spirit, there is... There is, and that is, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the carrier oil is joy. Oh, how can you say that, little fat pastor? (laughs) 
I don't have to, the Bible does. I'll just show you one instance. Debbie, can we see slide three, please? I, I don't want to mislead you. I'm going to give you this in. Tons of translations. Jesus gleefully tells us, well, you read it. Fear not, little flock. For it's your father's. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that's in those four translations. Actually, there are four, but I just listed three. Why do we need those adverbs? Are they even important? Good pleasure, gladly, great happiness, joyously. Because there's a carrier oil. When he's present, so is his joy. Never not. The greater his presence, the greater well of joy from which we can draw. Now, this is woven throughout the Bible in every book. I know, I spent a lot of time looking at it. But perhaps the Apostle Paul summed it up the very best toward the end of the masterwork he wrote to those who gathered in Jesus' name in the, in the city of Rome. The book of Romans in chapter 14. Debbie, may we see slide four, please. Again, this many translations. Say the words out loud. Speak them prophetically. It's a package deal. So for 2023, we will continue talking, you know, almost every, I won't say that, many, many, many of our gatherings, many times that either Sherry or I host a meeting, we speak of, we say, oh, Lord, your presence, it's your presence that we need, it's your presence that we want. Of course, he's always around, he's always in our midst, but we want the manifestation of his presence. We want him to come alive. We want it to be amplified, magnified, right? Presence is everything. The presence of God. Hosting the presence of God is everything. With presence, we have everything. Without presence, his presence, we have nothing. We are nothing. We can do nothing. Dina alluded to this a few minutes ago. Without God, we can't. And without us, he won't. But what I'm trying to highlight today is let's tap into what comes with his presence. Joy. 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 Now there will be times in 2023 that we're very happy. There will be times in 2023 and we're very uncertain. Full of faith, full of doubt. Happy, unhappy. Glad, sad. All emotions. All trailing indicators. How could those apostles possibly navigate what they navigated? I went through a season several years ago, a long one, when life was just brutal. And it affected me so deeply that I almost didn't come out of it. Really didn't come out of it. So I studied the lives of several people. I studied the lives of Look, these guys made it through what they went through. I mean, real people, contemporary people like Victor Frankl or Desmond Tutu or Martin Luther King or uh, other prisoners of war, other Holocaust survivors, and so forth. They came out of their solitary confinement in their jail cells stronger, better, more full than they went in. Despite the brutality, this extreme, 
aloneness, the darkness. What did they have that I didn't? I wanted to know that, because whatever it was, I wanted it. I found out it's the presence of God. Because with that comes joy. With that comes me keeping my mind and my sanity and not having the devil take it over. Now, from this moment forward, I can head us in one of two directions. I can expound on this theologically, and you all know I would love to. Maybe I can even preach with magnificence. Maybe. But do you know, 2023 starts just six weeks from now. A mere 42 days. So I think I would better serve you if I helped you get more ready. If we submitted this to practical application. And that's what I'm going to suggest to you, that a key part of, for you, could be Advent. Advent is a succession of five different subjects, and there they are. Where if you invest in those, and you ask the Lord for direction for 2023 in advance of its arrival, and every year we ask for, Sherry and I ask for, and several of you do too, Lord, what's my watchword for this coming up year. What's what's what are the what's the one or two three one or two or three words that just really are going to I need to pay attention to and hang on this year. Or maybe it's a phrase. And I think we already have the one for the church we'll be announcing that in a little bit. I don't know what my word for 2023 is or my one or two or three words yet. I'm starting to get some hazy pictures of it. How many of you do that? Get a word or two or three for the upcoming year? Yeah, sure. And uh, it, it's amazing what happens when they come from the Holy Spirit. You look back at the end of the year and you go, wow, no wonder. You know. So I'm going to encourage you to invest in that. I'm going to incur- I am encouraging you to invest in Advent. You can. It's your choice. But it is a season of expectant waiting and preparation. It does start next week. The first Sunday of Advent is next Sunday. So uh, I believe I'm supposed to get real practical for those of you who heed, who need, and want to get up to speed. That's pretty preachy, wasn't it? Heed, need, get up to speed, huh? All right, so first of all, let's talk about what gets in our way of presence and joy. Next slide, please. Debbie, you may have to get up and walk closer. These come out of my own life experience. Two general areas where we, where we hinder Jesus and his joy. Spiritual disorders. I mentioned earlier, did I not, that I like to make up words? What is anorexia? Purposely starving one's self, right? So one way, that the surest way that we can hinder Jesus' presence and his joy is scripturexia. Starve ourselves of the Bible. Not feast on the Bible nearly enough. Get in the Word. I'm telling you, get in the Word. I don't care if you're listening to it 
on Audible or books or what, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what translation you think is awesome and what translation is from, it doesn't matter. Just get in the Word. Say it out loud. Discuss it with others. Argue with love about what the Scripture says and doesn't say. Get in the Word. Feast on it. Start the habit. Build the habit these next six weeks of, of getting into the Word even more than you presently are. What happens to people with anorexia if they keep, if they keep it going long enough? And You ought to see what God does with anorexia. He races off His throne to help those who are self-destructing with that disorder. He pours on the gas of love. He'll do the same. We morph into something. It messes up our body chemistry. It messes up our hormones. It messes up our body processes. The body begins to eat its own bones. So does scripturexia. Amen. Somebody just said it. Say it louder. Say it louder. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, there's a proverb that says... um, Hope brings something, but lack of hope makes dry bones. The best place to find hope is in the Scriptures. Okay, so let me run through some of these more. If we get separated from the Holy Spirit, if we make Him a stranger, if we don't continually get to know Him better and let Him operate, one of the best ways in the world is to become like that lone zebra on the Serengeti plain or that lone wildebeest. Whatever we do, whatever we do, Whatever we do, let's get back into the practice of mingling with others chasing God. Do not be isolated. Do not separate. Non-native habitat. Born anew from above, you are a new creation. All the old has passed. So if I used to be a hyacinth, but now I'm a corn cob, what happens to me as a corn cob, if I go get planted in a hyacinth garden. Man, that illustration is lame, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I will either die or mutate. Because I'm not in my native habitat. I should have used plant and animal or some better an illustration. What is the born-again, new creation, believer's habitat? One another. Be in the world, but not of it. Spiritual disorders. I wish I could write books quickly. There's so many books that are being written and need to be written more about the, the rampant deception that's in the church realm these days and in the prophetic realm and so forth. Christians also running around in bondage, but really believing they're not. Church folk following the entirely, they really truly believe that they're following the right spirit, the Holy Spirit, but in fact, the little discernment you can easily see, that ain't the Holy Spirit. 
unhealthy distraction. What's unhealthy distraction from a spiritual perspective? Boy, you name it. You have 26,000 ways right here. Our country wants you so bad to get pulled off into political division. Wants you so bad to go to war in different areas that are completely of the world and of the world systems. Let's get off into that. Let's get off into social media arguments. Who has ever produced anything productive from that distraction? That was a non-rhetorical question requiring an answer. Has anything productive ever come from that? Thank you. That is, from a spiritual disorder perspective, an unhealthy distraction. 1 John 2, 15, 16 tells us that everything, everything that's... Because it's the, the problem with sin is not condemnation and judgment by the Lord. The problem with sin is that it separates us from the presence and therefore from his joy. And 1 John 2 tells us that every sin is based in the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If I had two more hours of your time, I'd expand on that. I don't. Lastly, really the pride of life. Now, what else hinders Jesus in his joy? Hurts, habits, hang-ups, and handicaps. These are all things that have affected my life and my closeness with the Lord and his joy. Fatigue. Anybody ever experience mental, physical, spiritual fatigue? How close with the Lord were you? Sometimes it's even closer, but rarely. You agree? Depression, anxiety, loss, grief. There's been so much loss and grief these last four years. People who have become permanently disabled, permanently sidetracked, or even passed away long before their time. It's horrendous, the loss these last three years. My own case, one of the things that, I, that I'm challenged by is a poor diet, a poor lifestyle, working too hard, working too many hours, traveling too much, and so forth. And I like to sit down in front of the TV and just zone out. Or, you know, I used to like to read books for entertainment and just, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. In moderation. One of the things that's so prevalent in our lives, thanks to so many societal changes, and again, I'm going to spare you the time on that one. When you look at when you're my age and you see how we used to live and you see how our parents and grandparents lived, and you compare that to the rush, the pace of life now, and how important it is that we all get good at being interrupt-driven. You know, my wife points out, Sometimes when we go visit my mom-in-law at Fernley Estates, the two people at the front desk, they're charged with getting a bunch of task work done on computers and taking records and filing things. And every person who walks in says something to them. You ever been in that position? A receptionist, a front office person, a 
retail store clerk. Um, I can I see people in the room who need to get tasks done and have important things to do with deadlines, or working or have jobs in distribution or manufacturing. Need to get it done, and every seven seconds, somebody comes up and says something, wants something, needs something. The phone rings and so forth. Oh my goodness, moms of young children in this room, how do they get? Anything done. Do you hear me? Interrupt driven? Well, you can get good at it. That's not really all that healthy a skill. Because you're so busy reacting that it takes up all your bandwidth. And the next thing you know, given enough time, you're distant. So urgency addiction, uh, oversubscription. Years, decades of my life, and what I put my family through. Saying yes to too many things. The Bible tells us that your no's are really easy. N-O apostrophe S. Your no's are really easy. Once you know what your yeses are. Your no's become automatic. If I say yes to my king. If I say yes to my marriage. If I say Yes to my family. If I say yes, first and foremost, to my own health, that's going to require saying a no to a whole bunch of other things. I just, but I keep saying yes to those things. My yeses make my yo, my noes easy. Er. Simpler for sure. That's, but over subscription. Anybody too busy? Anybody trying to keep too many plates spinning on discs, spinning on sticks in the air? Anybody juggling too many things at once? (laughs) We often get thrown into situations, whether it's ministry or business or homemaking or family or even the loss of a loved one, when we have never been trained how to do it. We lack education. There's nothing wrong with ignorance. It's not a bad word. If we don't know how to do something or what it means, or if we don't know how to handle it or we don't have the skills, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not our fault we ended up here in this situation, but it is our responsibility. Well, we're here. I better go learn. I better find out, find resources and people who know how to do this better than I do and who've been successful at it. How come people who are in a bad, bad, a marriage in bad, bad shape go talk to people who have been divorced recently or are in the middle of a divorce themselves? Aren't those the worst people to talk to? How come people who are so dissatisfied with their terrible boss and their lousy workplace conditions go talk to others who are in the same boat? How, yeah, but how's that kingdom? Doesn't it make sense that that pulls you farther away from the Lord and more into the mind traps of the enemy? Sure. Sure. I want to go talk to somebody who's as unhappy as I am. What? Even better, somebody who's even more unhappy because then I feel better about myself. <laughs> Compassion, empathy, yes. 
but the mud pit, the quicksand of sympathy? Leave it. Your king thinks way more highly of you than that. You're way better than that in his eyes. We're about finished. Because of all of the foregoing things, we find ourselves, many of us, in states of disorganization, in states of chaos. I notice nowadays that, generally speaking, people's houses are far more cluttered than they were a few years ago. I find that instead of one hot spot where all the stuff ends up in your house, you know, the temporarily, temporarily you put it there, we call those hot spots. I see that every room has multiple hot spots. You know, it isn't just that one kitchen drawer that is the horror show. It's on top of the counters, it's on the floors, the drawer on the floor filing system. Um, I see, you know, seems like people more and more frequently, I hear more about, uh, I can't find my car keys. Where's my car keys? Isn't that frustrating and maddening, especially when you're going to be late if you don't find them? Yeah, Ted says, especially when they're in your pocket the entire time. Then we get a little frantic. Um, we, we leave our phone somewhere? We leave our purse, our wallet, or I don't have a purse, okay. Um, wallet, our, 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 and then we, or in my case, you know, I, you see me running around with that leather book I write in all the time. I don't want people picking that up and reading it. But I'll realize when I get home, oh no, I don't have that. Where did I leave it this time? It says right here on my thing. If you find me all alone somewhere odd, it's because I have yet again wandered away from John Poundstone. Please tell him where I am. Thank you. Because otherwise you ain't got a sermon. <laughs> or good grammar. Do you see what I'm saying? Disorganization, chaos. Um, anybody ever get double booked? Oh no, I set that two things at once. Do you find yourselves doing that more often than you ever used to? Or you see others doing that more often than they ever used to? Scheduling, not scheduling enough time for yourself, your own wellness, your time with the Lord. All we, we just have this tasks become this bonfire. How can I manage this massive heap of burning tasks? I don't even know which log to pull out first. When really we can always, yeses and noes, we can always say, no, I don't think I'll take that on because I'm going to take this on. Or we can rank our tasks. We can say, this is an A, this is a B, this is a C. We can say, this is the first, this is the important and urgent. This is important but not urgent. This is urgent and important, but this is neither urgent nor important. Nor important. We can rank our tasks. You agree? We can learn how to do that. But we find ourselves right now in a time where, geez, he's done. I got so much to do. Sometimes I literally feel like because I don't know where or how or when to start, I'll just do nothing and watch some more television or 
go play a face, uh, not a face, but go play a game on my computer. Anybody else? Okay, I don't do this because I'm creepy. I do look at people's shoes. I do look at people's cars. I do look at people's so forth because it helps me understand what kind of condition their life is in. If I, if the, if somebody, if their car is an absolute mess, if their house is an absolute mess, if their shoes are in terrible shape or have not been taken care of, because that's the last thing people really pay attention to, it tells me, okay, how do I minister then? How do I help them? It's not judgment. It's not condemnation. It's not even assessment. It's not, you know, I'm going to hold up a rating card like, <laughs> like gymnasts get for figure skaters. No, it's going to like, how, you know, uh, what happened? How can we, how can we help? How can I pray? And you don't always hear me praying. Anybody got disorder in your life? Here's a good thing. <laughs> Here's a good thing. Does this make sense? How you can become more distant from, or can hinder his presence, therefore his joy? Guess what? You can do something about everyone. You really can. I will tell you right now that whatever you think you're in control of, you're not. We call it human resource management. That's a joke. Managing people. Silly. Because that's just a synonym for controlling people. How many of you know that you can control cats easier than you can control people? So there's only four things in our lives that we have control over. Here's, yeah, cats is not one. Here are the four things that you absolutely, totally have the freedom and the authority to take care of and to, and to manage and to be in control of. This is a season where it's, it's becoming more and more critical or important or will do you more good if you'll begin to realize this and you'll take back the authority over them. You'll take back the control that you have. You ready? Ready. Here's the next slide. God's joy is present when He is. The key is to control what you can control. You can control your thoughts. I'm going to read these aloud. Our mind carries the vision and the landscape of our world. It isn't as it is, it's how we see it. Our mind is the map, the GPS, the gas pedal, the brake, and the steering wheel of our life. Our words. My goodness, we've taught on this a lot. Scientifically proven. Words are forever. Words have mass. Words bend things and souls and people. Words carry death or life. Words matter. I can, I can overcome and become more in control, manage my words better. Every act, every word also alters the soul of the doer. You have control, I have control over our time. It's more precious than anything. Some of us are tasked with managing inventory, things. That's even kind of a little bit silly because much about inventory is completely beyond our control. 
but we're held responsible for it. You see, we never get time back, right? Time is more valuable than diamonds. Time is inventory. You get so much from birth to grave. It is the only inventory that is truly mine to manage. I'm the only boss of my time. And as I get to be this age, it becomes even more precious. That's why we tell people no. That's why we carry the ministry of disappointment, too. Lastly, we're totally the boss of our choices. We're always and forever the boss of our choices. We have no control whatsoever over their results. We have no control whatsoever over consequences. We can only create conditions and atmospheres. Internally and around us. Advent is a season where we can get back into shape to improve our management of these areas so that when 2023 comes along, we can navigate change and transition and we can see and activate and, I don't want to use the word exploit, capture opportunity. All right, here are some handouts. Would you hand me those, Gabby, please? Yay, handouts. Actually, maybe would you and somebody else pass them out? Practical application. What are we after? We're after presence, because with his presence comes joy. Thinking of these four areas, thoughts, words, time, and choices, daily or more often, Check in, check in, check in. Many of us have lives where we have no choice in the matter because we're responsible for other people's lives, like Sherry and I are in some areas, and some of the mothers of young children are in some areas, and so forth. May I have one of those, please? Thank you. So there's a little gauge on the left. How full is my joy tank? It's good to check in on that regularly and often. What is most interfering with experience my Lord's joy? Experiencing my Lord's joy. List them. Take inventory. What is the one thing I can do that would make the most positive difference? Make sense? You can take a picture of this and put it in your phone. You can make copies of it. I can send you more. Whatever you want. But now is a good time to begin re-architecting priorities. So, here we go. We're going to end here. There's a king in the room. There is a king in the room. We lay all of our crowns at his feet. On this slide is a yield sign on every one. We yield our thoughts to our king. 
Savior, our revelator. We yield our words to him. We yield our time to him, get his direction. We yield our choices to him. He is an author, the creator, the master, the Lord, and the head of all. And do you know what he says? Here's your last slide. He's, we just covered this. He says this. I love you, each and every one of you, with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And if you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy, the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking him, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and your joy will have no limits. When the king is present, his joy is. Joy is the carrier oil. The joy of the Lord is my, my strength. Each person, every human body within the sound of my voice is a tabernacle, a tent of meeting for the presence of the Lord and His joy. Fill it. Fill it. Fill your tabernacle. Fill your tent of meeting with Him. And there's our last slide. Debbie, could you show us that last slide, please? Where I come from, there's sprinkler irrigation. The Truckee Canal. Have you ever seen those big, huge pumps that sit on the side of the canal with the hose that goes down into the water? And, and then it, it sprinkles or flood irrigates all over the place. Be that pump. Be that pump. Be that pump. Be filled with Him. Whenever the Bible says that word be, it's often. Be filled over and over and over again. Not a one-time event, a continual process. This Advent season, this Thanksgiving along with my belly, I pray that I am filled with His presence and I pray that you are too. He loves you so much. He wants you this way. So happy Thanksgiving and thank you for coming. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.